0: good morning gorgeous how are you today i hope you're having a wonderful day so far i'm dr michelle daff welcome to the dr daff show today we're going to be discussing the influence of a woman this is a really exciting topic and we're reading out of the purpose and power of women this is the final chapter this book was written by the late Dr. Miles Monroe, and it has been such a blessing in my life. I hope that it's been a blessing in your life in terms of empowering you to step into your womanhood, understand your purpose in terms of God's design, and to hopefully help you to fulfill the things that God has asked you to do here on this earth and help your relationships with men this is a final chapter and I thought that this chapter was gonna just be like okay because we're talking about women in leadership and should women have the right to be leaders in the church and I thought okay here we go again but honestly this chapter blessed me more than any of the chapter because it really helped me to just love the fact that God made me a woman And I hope that you love the fact that God made you a woman after all of this content on your womanhood, because it is such a blessing to be a woman. Now, on my podcast, I have had many guests, and some of them have been women in leadership, whether they're pastors or they're Christian entrepreneurs, but they're working within the church setting. And I have had people ask or talk about some of these people whether it's on YouTube or wherever about the fact that it was questionable that they were on my show because they don't believe that women should be in leadership in the church. And I was always really put off by that. I was a little bit shocked because I I see comments like that coming from like men online who are really like old school or whatever the case might be, but I had never really heard it from like young women. So I was actually shocked and I'm thinking, okay, this is actually a serious conversation. It's come up with friends in my Christian circles and I didn't even think it was a question. One of the reasons why is my grandmother was a bishop in Ghana. And when I say like, this woman was hardcore, like she was way before her time. She was touched by God at a very young age. Mind you, I mean, she lived to be over 100 years old. And so when she was born, it was like the early 1900s. So women were not given roles of leadership. Women were not allowed to do anything that she was doing, but she was healing people with the power of God. She was, I mean, I remember being a kid and going to Ghana and I remember I would wake up every morning and there would be a line wrapped around my grandmother's house and people were coming for prayer because they were sick or people maybe wanted to conceive and she would pray for them and they would have a baby. There were so many babies because one time she had a party with all the children who were named after her because the women were barren, they could not have children. And after she prayed for them, they had a child and they named them Lucy after her. And there were so many Lucys. It was incredible. I mean, that's just like, that's low level stuff. That's not even, we're not talking about like casting out devils out of people and demons and healing people. I mean, she did incredible work. She actually worked with Billy Graham. For those of you know who Billy Graham was, he was a very famous, um, evangelist and she actually was like that's like the level she was on so my whole life from people around me from my family like my grandmother was that woman in terms of being a woman of god she had and she still has so many branches to her church In Ghana, there's like a village that she ended up like adopting and she there's so many homes in that village and she pays for everyone's rent. She paid for paid for everyone's rent and food. All they had to do was go to church. So, I mean, I grew up seeing a woman doing all of this stuff. All of this stuff. In my mind, I never once questioned should a woman be in leadership in the church? Never. Until I actually Gave my life to Christ and started becoming involved in Christian circles. And then, of course, that's when you start hearing all this religious talk. And it just was like, are you serious? Where are you getting this from? So, I want to talk about this today. I know this was a really long introduction, but this is a topic that I didn't even realize meant so much to me until I read this chapter and I saw how so many women are being hindered from their God given purposes. Because people have said women should not be in leadership. I think you are doing yourself a serious disservice. And I believe when it comes to issues like this, your primary responsibility is to God. And that's who you should go to for guidance, for clarity, for confirmation, for all of that. And not the world, not people on YouTube, not, you know, people who just have an opinion. And also not people who don't understand the Bible. So (laughs) Dr. Monroe does such a great job of breaking down this topic. And we're going to talk about that now. So I want you to go ahead and sit back, relax, get something warm and delicious and sweet and cozy to drink. And let's talk about this. What we have discussed so far about God's purpose and design for females prepares us to ask one of the most controversial questions of today. Should women be in leadership? For those of faith, this question usually has a specific focus. Should a woman be in a position of leadership in the church? The word of God gives us the answers to both of these questions. Before coming to conclusions about any issue, it is important to consider what the word of God has to say about it. It is too easy to take one verse and build an entire doctrine upon it. This often has been the case historically, as the church has looked at the question of women and leadership. And what he does is he looks at the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Bible to get some examples. In the book of Micah, God made a remarkable statement that many people overlook and most men do not want to read. If most males were asked, was Moses a great leader? Their answer would emphatically be yes. I believe that Moses is probably the greatest leader in the Old Testament record the man God chose to bring his people out of slavery in Egypt. Moses was obviously a great minister of administration. He learned a lot of it from his father-in-law, Jethro, who taught him how to delegate rather than to put a whole lot of responsibility on himself. Moses was a man of tremendous strength and character, although he was also a man of weakness. Yet God balances weakness with the power of his anointing. During the time of the Exodus and for 40 years in the desert, Moses was an extraordinary and effective, inspiring leader. However, I want you to read the statement God made in Micah chapter 6 verse 4. Women should take this verse to heart and remember it for the rest of their lives. God said, I brought you up from the land of Egypt I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. God was saying, I sent you three leaders. We always talk about Moses, the representative, and the administrative leader. We also talk about Aaron, the high priest and spiritual leader. But God mentioned another leader that many men are uncomfortable reading about. He said, I also sent Miriam to lead you. God sent a woman to lead. The fact contradicts many of the attitudes that men have had for years about women in leadership. When God purposefully appointed Miriam to be leader of his people, he endorsed the idea that it is valid for a woman to be in leadership. It is noteworthy that God did not send Miriam to lead because no men were available at the time. He sent her to lead alongside the men. He put her in a team of leaders. Since God acknowledged Miriam in that same list and category with Moses, we don't have to question whether God intended a woman to be a leader. I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. In that scenario, a woman was needed to balance out both of them. So instead of asking if women should be in leadership, we should be asking how they are to exercise their leadership given their purpose and their design. So first, let us consider once again that the dominion mandate was given to man, not just to the male. Therefore, it is God's purpose that the woman as well as the man be fruitful and multiply and replenish subdue, and have dominion over the earth, Genesis 1.28. Man, that was given to man. That was not given to male. It was given to man. Remember, in the Bible, when it says man, it's talking about men and women. So this was the very first statement and assignment that God gave to everyone. To have dominion means to govern, to rule, to subdue, to control, to manage, to lead, or to administrate. It is a powerful word. Both women and men were given the same assignment of dominion leadership. There's no incidence of subjection, submission, or oppression of women in the first and second chapters of Genesis. In God's perfect will, there is no such arrangement. The woman and the man were both equal, blessed, subduing, ruling, and having dominion. And God said, this is very good. But both man and the woman were created to lead, but their leadership functions are determined by their specific dominion assignments. God designed the woman, not only for relationship with himself, but also to fulfill his purpose and a great plan for humanity. And God designed the male to be a leader by position and the female to be a leader by influence, okay? The man has position power and the woman has influence power. There is a difference between these two forms of leadership. Ladies, if you understand this, your whole life can change. If you understand how God made you to be an influencer and a man to be a positional leader, your ability that was given to you by God to influence a man is your power. And once you recognize this, then you will learn how to mold and shape things in your environment, whether it's with your husband, whether it's with your boss, whether it's with your father, wherever you need to do this, you have the power of influence, of making things happen without having to directly say it, directly make commands. That is what gives men the feeling that you are masculine, that you are controlling is the fact that you're giving directions, commands and orders. But when you learn how to just influence, they don't know what's happening. They just know what's happening. <laughs> it's a superpower. It's a gift. It's an ability. It's one I knew nothing about until God showed me. I didn't I knew only about the du- the direct commands, the direct all of that direct stuff, because that's how I was raised. That's all I knew. And it was such a turnoff to men. But once I learned how I was designed, once I learned the other side that I knew nothing about, it completely changed my life, my relationships, and just the way that I saw myself as a woman, as a feminine woman, this is a feminine behavior. This is a feminine behavior, I have to say this. This is a feminine behavior. This ability, this superpower to lead by influence. When God designed the female, he obviously had influence in mind. A woman is a receiver. God designed her to receive from the male and to incubate what she receives so that it can grow and develop. A woman is built to influence Her wombs, whether physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual, have a tremendous influence on what they receive by providing a nurturing and transforming environment. There is much truth in the saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Like, does that make sense to you? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world? It's like when people say that he's the head and I'm the neck, right? It's like, yes, the head is what's necessary, but the neck is what moves that head from left to right. That cradle that's rocking that baby, the person that's rocking that cradle, they're the ones that are really in control. And it's not to say in control, like they're taking over, but it's in control. Like, certain things are not going to happen. Certain moves will not be made or certain things can happen because I'm the one that's in the background. I'm the one that's easing this person. I'm the one that's soothing this person. I'm the one that is bringing this person some calm and some love and some joy and all the things that they need. And so I can make things happen. It is a power and they work together. That's the main point of it all is that they are working in unison. We have seen that the male is the initiator of human life. He carries a seed of life, the sperm. This is why the male carries, as it were, the seed of nations. In the Bible, whenever God wanted to create a new nation, he called on a man to initiate it. Yet while the man is a father of the nations, he cannot create these nations without the participation of the woman. A sperm is no good to a man without a woman, just like a seed is no good without a soil. (laughs) When God was talking to Abraham in the Bible, the father of all nations, when he was talking to him about giving him a a family, he said, kings will come from you. But he needed his wife in order to make this actually come to fruition. And it had to be his wife. You know that it had to be his wife couldn't be another woman because he tried that. And that was not God's plan. That was not who the promise was for. It was supposed to be through Sarah. He specified that it's going to come from her womb and her womb only, but they were both equally needed. And that's the point I'm trying to stress here, my love, is that they were both equally needed, even though he gave the assignment and that position power of like, okay, it's coming from your seed, that initiation is coming from you, it can't actually happen at all, at all, without her. They're equally needed. There are two important aspects of position power. First, position power generally comes with a title such as king, governor, doctor, or pastor. Second, position power is usually executed Through commands, whether verbal or written, it is the authority that goes with the position and underlines the commands. That is the nature of the man's power, the authority that comes with it. Whenever anyone is an authority, that's what matters. (laughs) I remember when I was working as a psychologist, obviously, you know, I have a doctorate, and there were some people, like there were some patients of mine, where other people may would try to like give them suggestions or give them feedback or explain things and they're like no no no. I only want the person who has a doctor in front of their name telling me what to do and for my position you did not need a doctorate you don't need a doctorate to be a school psychologist it is not necessary because you have a credential that uh, it doesn't take its place but it it qualifies you to do the work in the school setting. So for me, getting a doctorate was my own thing. But the person was so concerned. And then it wasn't just one person that happened all the time. They were so concerned about the position. And they felt that, that without that doctorate, their words were meaningless. Without that position, whether it's at the hospital, the nurse tells you something, you're like, no, I want to talk to a doctor they could know the same information or the nurse could even know more. Hmm, the nurse could even know more. It doesn't matter if she knows more. The doctor is the one who has that in front of their name because they went to school, they got what they needed to be able to say that they can be trusted. And that is important. The position title is important and people look for that whenever they want to take something from someone else as valid. So position power is created through commands, but influence power manifests itself in a different way. First, a woman may have a title, but she doesn't need a title. That's the point (laughs) in order to lead. Just like when I was working as a school psychologist, I could have a doctorate, but I don't need one. I don't need a doctorate to be a school psychologist. So that is the difference. It's not needed. It's not necessary. She leads by influence. This is why women usually run the households. Men call themselves the head of the house, but the woman runs the home. Second, a woman doesn't need to talk in order to run things. Remember, the male exercises his power with commands, whether written or verbal, but the woman does not need to talk. She leads just by her influence. My father used to run our household with his mouth. He would say, clean the kitchen, take the garbage out, take your feet off that chair. However, my mother would just look at me and my feet would be down, girl. The woman does not need to say a word. She just looks and people respond. This is a powerful influence. Some men assume that because women are quiet or don't bark out orders that they're weak, but they don't understand the influence power. Influence power may be more subtle and quiet than position power, but it has a potent effect. And Satan understood this influence. The fall of man resulted from the serpent's interference with influence leadership. The devil was clever. When he wanted to destroy humanity, he went to the woman instead of the man. Just think about all of the men in power that you hear about on the news all the time who are always in trouble because of a woman's influence. And I'm not just talking about the woman being attractive and him you know, sleeping with her or whatever. I'm talking about the woman who was able to use her influence to get him to do things that he shouldn't have been doing. (laughs) And this happens a lot. This is very, it's a very sneaky thing that a lot of women who are not healed, who are not in Christ, are not able to manage. It's so powerful. And a lot of men are completely oblivious to this. They don't even know what's going on. And so next thing you know, they're making all these decisions and it's so easy. (laughs) It's so easy. Um, It's very dangerous if it's not used appropriately. And obviously the devil knew that. And so that's why he went after Eve. He knew that Eve could get Adam to eat it. And he was right. The power of a woman's influence may be seen in God's original design for her and his response to her after the fall of man. In creation, God gave the woman the assignment of rulership. This shows the respect that he has for her. Okay, God respects women. God loves women. God promised the devil that his destruction would come through a woman he identified the woman as the instrument through which the man would be redeemed. So some people really feel like God doesn't love them as a woman and feels like God made women lesser than men. But whenever it came to something serious, he made sure a woman was involved in it in a major way. And for the redemption of humanity, the redemption of your soul, he wanted to make sure that He came through a woman, God himself is Jesus. Jesus is God. God made sure that when he came here on this earth he created, he was going to come through a woman. That's how important you are to God. The woman's influence power in its fallen state is so potentially destructive that God felt he needed to put her under regulation for her own protection and the protection of others. God gave the male the assignment of regulating the influence power of the woman until the fullness of time when he would send his son born of the woman to complete the process of redeeming her of partnership with the man. Now, I know a lot of this is like a lot It's a lot to swallow. It's a lot to chew on because I'm reading it. But this is why I really hope that you support and you purchase this book, because this book is so profound. It's so powerful. There's so much truth in this book and I'm not reading you the whole book, girl. I'm I'm telling you the bits and pieces that I think are really necessary, but I'm not reading this whole book. So there's a lot that you have not read or learned if you don't have the book if you're just listening to the podcast. So I always ask for you to support people and their ministries because when he was alive, like he put his heart and soul into creating this content so that you can feel better, so that you can know who you are as a person. Everyone who's doing something that's impacting your life needs your support. And I find that to be very necessary to say because so many of us, unfortunately, we move around this earth and we just take, 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 and we don't give, we don't give back. And it's important to know that when people do stuff, they need your support. They need your reviews on Amazon or you to purchase the book for someone else or you to share a sermon or share something it's not enough to just consume something and just be like oh that was really good <laughs> well yeah it was really good and and you're getting it for free so it's important for you to give back and support his ministry because they're still putting out books they're still putting out videos on YouTube they're still saving people's lives. Why you know Dr. Miles Monroe means so much to me is because I was saved through him, through his YouTube video. When I watched this video, that's how I had an aha moment, and that's how I met Jesus. Without that, I would not be talking to you today at all. There would be no content from me at all. I would still be doing videos on wigs. Okay, so. He is very important to me, but it's not just him. It's anyone, anyone, whether they're a YouTuber, a podcaster, an author, please show your support to people and don't think it's enough to just listen, you know, do your part, whatever it is. And however much you do is up to you, but do your part. Um, I don't know why I felt needed to say that. Oh, I'm just saying that because in listening to this, this chapter is so packed with so much richness. And when you read the word of God, it's when God speaks to you. So many of you wish you could hear from God. You want to know what God's voice sounds like. You want to know when God's telling you to date that guy or not to sleep with that guy. or You want to know all these things, but you don't read your Bible. That is a primary way God speaks to you. And he speaks to you in a way that I cannot explain. But what happens is as you're reading something, he impresses it into your heart. This is the answer. And you can't explain it because it's supernatural. It's your spirit. This is God, the one who created you. He doesn't have to tell you how you know it's him. You just know. And that comes from reading his Word. So when you have books like this, where the word of God is infused in it, You can get answers to a lot of your questions, your personal questions through reading it. So I want you to take the time to buy the book, to read this chapter because it is so packed and you may not be able to pick up everything from what I'm sharing with you today, but I really hope that you get the main point. ladies before we continue i want to share my fragrance line with you fine forever fine forever is a fragrance line with a promise it is a blessed luxury fragrance line that promotes the promises of god each fragrance is tied to a biblical scripture to remind you that with god you will be fine forever we launched our first fragrance twenty nine eleven. After the scripture, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which talks about the plans God has for your life. This fragrance is rich, deep, mysterious, and feminine. It will surely turn heads and become a signature scent for you. We also have our faith collection, which introduces two beautiful fragrances that are unique and memorable. Silent Storm and Mustard Seed. Mustard Seed is a fresh, delicate, and bright aquatic floral fragrance, and it's reminiscent of a warm beach on a tropical sea. Silent Storm is a decadent gourmand fragrance that portrays youthful femininity. Silent Storm is rich, smooth, and refined. Visit the website www.findforever.com. You can use the code Dr.DAF for 20% off of your fragrance. Thank you so much for your love, your kindness, and your support. Now, back to our episode. What he's saying here is that our influence as a woman is so powerful that when the fall happened, when Satan came and ruined everything, he assigned men to govern us so that our power would be (laughs) contained. And so for people who are not saved, for people who are not in Christ, who have not given their life to God, to Jesus, for those ladies, they're still running wild. And for those ladies who have given their lives to Christ, you no longer have the chains of a man ruling over you. That's not there anymore. You don't need it. You have the Holy Spirit. So again, this is something you're gonna have to chew on. Okay, you're gonna have to chew on this one. A woman was not originally created by God to be regulated by a man. I'll say that again. A woman was not originally created by God to be regulated by a man. A woman was not originally created by God to be regulated by a man. (laughs) That was never God's plan for the woman. Humanity's disobedience to God is what altered her situation. But this alteration was not permanent. It was only temporary. Because God knew the influence potential, with which he had created the woman, he considered her to be more dangerous than the man in her fallen state. That is why God put her under regulation. Just reading that makes me feel so happy to be a woman. Like he gave us such intense, incredible power that it had to be regulated. God was basically saying, you are so powerful that I cannot trust you by yourself anymore. This is why when you meet a woman who does not have the Holy Spirit indwelling in her, you're encountering a dangerous package of influence that has the potential to bring destruction without inhibition. The woman does not need regulation because she is a weaker vessel, but because she is potentially the most dangerous one. I know we talked about this earlier. And for a lot of people, this is exactly how their marriages got ruined. There was some woman who didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of her, who felt that she could use her influence to have sex with your husband. And that's how the man ended up in her bed. And you ask him, how could you have done this? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Because of the power of her influence, a woman is more dangerous because her power is silent. You don't even see when she's working. And it's not necessarily presidents and prime ministers who are truly running our countries. Power is not only in the state house and the White House. It's in the bedroom. A woman doesn't have to make a public policy speech. All she has to say is, "Mm, I don't think you should do that, honey. And it becomes policy. Hers is a powerful influence. I want you to consider these examples of corrupted influence in the Bible. Adam, he sacrificed his relationship with God when he chose Eve's influence over what God had told him. Although he was fully responsible for his actions. Don't get it wrong. Okay, he was fully responsible for what he did. However, the influence contributed to his temptation to rebel against God, which affected the future of humanity. Abraham, who was called God's friend and was given the promise of a blessed son and heir by God, was influenced by his wife, Sarah, to take matters into his own hands and try to force the fulfillment of the promise through human means. When Sarah spoke, her voice became more influential to Abraham than God's, even though he had a personal visitation from the Lord. Today, we're still seeing the consequences of this influence in the never-ending conflicts between the Arabs and the Jews. Samson, whose unusual anointing enabled him to kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey and do other feats of strength, which he was influenced by Delilah to reveal the source of his strength. Then he was betrayed by her, resulting in his capture and his death. The leadership of a woman is so powerful that God says it needs regulation if it isn't under the control of the Holy Spirit, which is God, the spirit of God. I want to explain salvation to those of you who do not know, because I, for years, call myself a Christian, went to church. Like I told you, I told you my family history, like I was born a Christian, right? Went to church my whole life went to Bible study, went to Sunday school my whole life, and I still wasn't saved. And I didn't know that. I seriously did not know. I did not know that I did not have the Holy Spirit. If you would have asked me, I would have told you, girl, yes, I got the Holy Spirit. Of course, I didn't even know who the Holy Spirit was. (laughs) So I have to make sure I do my due diligence in telling you, for those of you who are in the same position as I was. So when you give your life to Christ, is when you accept the Lord as your savior. Basically, what you're doing is you're telling Jesus that you believe he is God, that he came onto this earth as God, that he died on the cross and that he rose again and that you are giving your life to him. Basically, what that means is that whatever you do now You're doing it under his leadership. You're saying the things that you've laid out for me, the way you want me to live, the way you want me to treat people, the way you want me to do everything, moment to moment, day to day, I'm going to be listening to you and I'm gonna be following you. I'm giving up my life, I'm giving it up. I'm saying, I am taking this life and putting it into your hands and saying, here, it's yours. Do what you wanna do with it. I'm yours. You have all of me. Right? That is different than just saying you're a Christian that you believe in God. That is different. Then you're still gonna go out with your friends and drink and smoke and have sex and lie and steal and do everything you've been doing, girl. But you're just gonna say that you believe in Jesus and you love Jesus. <laughs> That's not the same thing. They're not the same thing. So there is a stark difference. One is a complete change of your mind. It's a complete it's called repentance. That's what people mean when they say repent. They're not saying tell God, I'm so sorry for everything, please forgive me. It's saying I changed my mind. I decided that you're right. I should not be sleeping with men when I don't have a ring on my finger. You're right. I shouldn't be taking money from my job. You're right. I shouldn't be adding extra hours on days I know I didn't come in. You're right. I should not be gossiping about people, even if it's to my mother. You're right, you're right. You're changing your thinking, you're changing your mind. When you do that, that is you receiving your salvation because God bought you from the devil. That costs, that that was really expensive. You were really expensive. Your life was really expensive. And because you were so expensive, because you came with a price, you have to make that decision to say, thank you. Here you go. And when you do that, the Lord then will give you his spirit. God himself, God himself, the spirit of God, which is a Holy Spirit. God himself will say, okay, I'm going to live inside of her then. I'm going to give her me. She gave me her, I'm gonna give her me. The power that Jesus had, you then have that same exact power inside of you. You have the power then to stop smoking weed. You have the power to stop being a prostitute. You have the power to stop lying on your taxes. You then have the power of God, the power to heal people who are sick, the power to do everything, bring people from the dead. You have the power to do everything, it's in you. He gives you himself and that is the Holy Spirit. And that power is what allows you to be able to overcome your obstacles and to be able to fulfill your purpose. And that's why for so many years, I wasn't able to do anything I wanted to do. Like I had a whole list I would have by my bed and it would say, stop cursing. I would all this stuff, wake up on time. (laughs) For years, that list would stay the same. Like, dang, how come I can't like actually break through any of this stuff? Because I didn't have God. I didn't have the spirit of God. As soon as I got the spirit of God and I started working on that stuff, I was able to overcome all of it now it's still my choice. I mean, if I want to curse, I can curse. But I finally stopped in a in a real way where I have no desire, my my mouth does not try to curse. It would be difficult for me to curse. And then of course, if I did, I would feel awful because guess what? I have God now. He's inside of me. He'll never leave you again. He'll never leave you. And that is the difference between saying you are a Christian and actually having the spirit of God in you major difference and once I got God inside of me I was able to start seeing the people who had God inside of them and the people who didn't it was so clear to me and I'm like wow I'll even watch my own stuff and be like oh my goodness it's very obvious I didn't have the spirit of God inside of me and it's not to judge people or anything like that it's not for that but it is for you to have discernment because anyone can say anything doesn't mean that it's true. Okay, that was to make sure you know, so you can't say you didn't know. Okay, under the redemptive work of Christ, because Christ died and did all that for you, girl. The woman is not only restored to fellowship with God, but she's restored to the position of a partner with her male counterpart. Therefore, she is no longer to be dominated or ruled by the male. Because if she were, it would mean that the redemptive work of Christ had not been successful. The woman was created by God to be a helper, not a slave. There is a big difference between the two. The Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as a helper. Ooh, when I read this, I was like, "Oh, go off, Dr. Miles Monroe. The Bible refers to the Holy Spirit, right? We talked about that. He is the Spirit of God. He is God. He is God's Spirit. You are a Spirit. He is God. So the Holy Spirit is also referred to as a helper just like you my love as a woman are referred to by God as a helper. You have the same titles in that way. The Holy Spirit is referred to as a comforter, a counselor, a helper, and a guide. Hmm. Hmm, are those feminine or masculine qualities? Let me think. A helper, a comforter, a counselor, and a guide. Hmm. Would you call your husband that? I don't know. (laughs) Being a helper does not mean being inferior. A helper can be a guide and a teacher. Therefore, although the male is always the responsible head of God's design, he is not the boss. He is not the owner of the woman. Remember that when God addresses the human race, he never addresses us as male and female. He addresses us as man. He deals with the spirit man within both male and female. In order to function on earth as a man, however, males and females each exercise an aspect of leadership that was given to a man, the spirit. Jesus is called the head and the church is called the body. We call it like the body of Christ, right? The head of Christ, okay, that's the head and the body of Christ. It's all one person, It's just there's a head and there's a body, right? So that is a perfect model for us as a male and female relationship, the head and the body. The experience of the second Adam, have you ever heard that term, the second Adam? The second Adam is Jesus. He's the second Adam because he, it's like you had to start all over again, right? (laughs) But he's the one that got the job done, the experience of the second Adam is parallel with the experience of the first. For example, Jesus had to be born a male because a male is a source. Moreover, Christ had to be a male because he came to fulfill what Adam failed to do. To accomplish this, he experienced something very close to what Adam experienced when God created the woman. He, who is a second Adam, went to sleep in his death on the cross, so that God could take out of him a woman named Ecclesia, the church. When God's side was pierced by the spear, blood and water poured out. Symbolically, the church was born of blood and water, the blood of Christ and the water of the word, which is the Bible. Therefore, the church was brought forth from Christ's side as a woman was brought forth from the side of the man. Wow. If that does not blow your mind, I don't know what will. Because that is, I mean, how he came up with that, (laughs) you know he was talking to God when he wrote this book. Because I never, ever connected that. That is so deep. And if you can understand that, that is so, so deep. I'm going to let you figure that one out on your own. The church in the Bible is described as she, a bride, a woman. It is given a feminine designation. The church is given a feminine designation. Remember that. As Eve was presented to Adam in perfection, right? It says in the Bible that Eve was presented to Adam. Christ says that he will present himself a radiant church holy and blameless, Ephesians five twenty seven. Jesus told his bride, I love you. Then he said to men, husbands, love your wives as I love my wife. How does Christ show love to his church? He cleanses her with the washing of the water by the word. He takes away every spot, wrinkle, and blemish just as Adam was supposed to have done for Eve. But guess what? Adam didn't. Adam didn't do what he was supposed to do for Eve. But you, my love, accepting Jesus, he's going to do it right. He's going to do what he's supposed to do for you. He's going to watch out for you. He's going to protect you. He's going to make sure you are good. He's not going to do you wrong. Satan cannot overcome the church because Christ will never leave her. Before God created Eve, he first declared that she was to help Adam in fulfillment of the dominion assignment, that she would be his helper. And the church fulfills the exact same role for Christ. In Christ, God's purposes have been restored. Jesus told the church, you will be seated with me in heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6. He did not say, you will be seated below me. Since Christ is a king, the church is his queen. We need to see God's intent for the female in the portrayal of Christ and the church. She is not meant to sit below the man, but to be his partner in leadership, in dominion. This principle is extremely important when men treat women as inferior, lesser, or weak. When they oppress or suppress them, they are damaging themselves. They are undermining their own purpose and potential. Both the male man and the female man are made in God's image. Any oppression of that image is an oppression of oneself he who loves his wife loves himself, Ephesians 5.28. Most churches are still struggling with this issue of women in leadership or how to translate a woman's influence power into practice in the church. And I know this is something that's talked about a lot when people reference Paul. And I know that even with my conversations with women, like I said, I always thought this was like a male issue. I didn't realize other women had this issue too, but In those conversations, they always pointed back to the scripture. And the scripture is in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, 34, where Paul was writing a letter to a church. And in the letter, he was addressing different problems that they were dealing with. And he said that women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says, So because of that, people believe that women are not supposed to speak in the church, that they're supposed to be silent. And Dr. Monroe is saying, I believe that Paul's instructions to the Corinthians had to do with keeping order in the churches, where the people's carnality or cultural backgrounds was creating confusion and discord. God is a God of order. However, because of Paul's desire to bring order to these new congregations, we have people saying that women are to be silent in the church, wear hats, and basically be seen and not heard. They claim a woman cannot lead or preach. We have become so focused on what amounts to legalism that we are missing God's revelation of what the woman is. She is the spirit man. Within the female. And what's more important, culture or Christ? There are so many people that are examples of this in the Bible. Jesus never commanded a woman to be silent. Jesus never stopped a woman from preaching. As a matter of fact, the woman at the well went preaching after Jesus set her free. She became an evangelist, the first evangelist in the Bible. When you're having this issue, Dr. Monroe is saying that, close your eyes and listen to the spirit man who is speaking. And this approach will help many men. It's not who it's coming from. It's what they're saying. It's like, did God say children can't preach? Ask yourself that. Is that in the Bible? It doesn't say anything about it, right? It says nothing about children preaching. A person could say a child shouldn't be preaching. But if that child is speaking the truth, if that 16-year-old child is filled with the Spirit of God and is speaking the truth, The word of God is saying exactly what needs to be said, and you are able to hear God through that child. How could you say that this child shouldn't be preaching because they're a child? It's the same concept. It's the same concept of listening to the spirit man. I mean, there are people, and I'm not going to get off on a tangent on here, but there are people who claim to be Christians, who claim to be filled with the spirit of God. And so you automatically listen to them because their name is pastor this, evangelist this, prophet this, apostle this, and you just assume, okay, they must be obviously people of God. But what they're saying is wrong. What they're saying is not true. What they're saying is leading you away from God. You have to be able to discern, to pick it up that in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit, something isn't right. And in that same breath, you should be able to pick it up when something is right. Yes, this person may not be what you thought, but they're right. And they're abiding under the quote-unquote laws that God gave us. And those are laws that are all spirit-filled. The way that they're behaving, their submission, the fruit of the spirit working inside of them and their lives and what they're doing. I don't understand what the problem is. Honestly, I don't understand what the problem is outside of that particular scripture. There are churches filled with women, but men don't allow them to hold responsible positions. And he ends it with this quote from Harriet Tubman. Abolitionist Harriet Tubman said that when she crossed the line to freedom, I was free, but there was no one to welcome me to the land of freedom. I was a stranger in a strange land. And many women feel the same way about their leadership abilities. They have been set free by Christ, restored to their place of partnership. But there is no one to welcome them into this land of freedom and service for God. They feel like strangers in a strange land, even though they're supposed to be in the promised land of the church. Galatians five one says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is time that men welcomed women to the land of freedom. And if you're someone who's having difficulty with this concept and Maybe you feel like God has called you into a leadership position, but you're afraid of what people are going to say, or the people at your church are telling you that you should not be in leadership. I would always say, pray about it. Ask the Lord to show you. Ask God to speak to you. Ask God to confirm it to you. Ask God to give you the place and the opportunity to do it. Ask God. He's not going to steer you wrong. (laughs) He's not going to lead you into something that's not for you. He loves you too much for that. He's not going to help you to sin. So ask him sincerely and then find other ways that you can do it. It's not every single person who needs to be standing on a pulpit preaching the word of God. There are so many ways now that you can exercise leadership in other ways. You can start a YouTube channel. You can have an Instagram. You can have a TikTok. You can start a blog. You can write a book, you can do other things where you are exercising your leadership in Christ in other ways. But obviously within, you know, there's a church, right? The the church building, the church organization, and then there's a church, the body of Christ. So that's more for the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, you can still do your job, your, your mission, your purpose, your calling on your own. But if you're part of an organization, you're part of a church congregation, then I have to be so specific because before I was in Christ, before I gave my life to Jesus, I did not know that the church, like the word, the church was referring to people. I thought it meant the church, like where you go on Sunday. I didn't realize the church means just The people who believe in Jesus, like that's the church. That's what it's called, the church, that the church is not an actual building, that that is called a church building, like a church congregation. They use the same word for both, but they're not they're not the same thing. But anyway, if you're part of a church congregation that says, that you're not allowed to exercise a leadership position because you're a woman, then I would pray about that and ask the Lord to be able to help you in that, guide you with where you need to be or conversations that need to be had or whatever needs to happen. Pray about it because it's not biblical. Pray about it. And if you're listening to like really old sermons and people from, the past you may come across this more, and I think a lot of people, you know, they take things and there's no like evolution with their thought because they're just taking what the last person said and they're just regurgitating it. So sometimes it just takes a while for us to evolve in our thinking and for us to have an understanding and the courage to do something different or to stand for something different. So, with Anything that has to do with the word of God, take it to Him. Don't, you know, worry about what this pastor's saying, what I'm saying, what your mom is saying. Take it to God. Let Him tell you, let Him guide you. But you, as a woman, you are beautiful, you are powerful, you are feminine, you are influential, you are all of the wonderful things because God loves women. He loves women. He loves his feminine women and I love you. And I hope that this book was a blessing to you. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in terms of the next book because I definitely want to do another book, but I'm trying to figure out if I want to do a book on femininity, on marriage, or on your Christian walk. So I'm actually going to put up a poll on Spotify, on Instagram, and on YouTube. And I'm going to collect and figure out um, what kind of book. And then from there, I'll figure out which book will be next. And we'll probably start it in January. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to starting something new. I know this book took a while, but I hope that it was really a blessing to you. I would love to know. You can send me a message on Instagram. You can leave me a comment wherever, anywhere on the internet. And let me know if this book was something that was enjoyable, beneficial to you. And again, be sure to support Dr. Miles Monroe and his ministry because it is a life-changing ministry. I love you all so much, and I'm so grateful for your support on this podcast, on all of my platforms. Thank you so much for your encouraging words. I've received some really touching messages lately from you ladies, and it has been so inspiring and helping me to push through and realizing that these podcasts actually do help your life and you actually have changed so much since listening and watching. So that has been a blessing to me. I think those of you who took the time to actually reach out to me and encourage me like that, again, like you're not just listening to me talk, you're actually taking action. That matters. I'm a person. I'm a real person. I'm a real person. (laughs) It actually does impact me. And I appreciate all of your prayers for those of you who just take it to the Lord for me. I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Daff, at The Dr. Daff Show, and on my YouTube channel at Dr. Michelle Daff. For those of you who don't know, I also have a vlog channel where you can kind of get to know me behind the scenes, like my day to day life. And that channel is called Michelle My Bell. If you like day in the life, like normal content, not like not teaching you anything, I'm just talking, just going to get coffee, that kind of thing then um, make sure to follow me on that. And then I also have another channel that I don't post on regularly, but I'm going to try to start posting on there a little bit more. We shall see. And that channel is focused on things of God. So just casual conversations around Christ, really. And that channel is called Mornings with Michelle. So you can follow me on those platforms on YouTube if you like. To watch videos, and if not, then I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. I love you. And remember that in all things you do, make a feminine impression. Bye bye.